Turn in your Bible to the book of Romans chapter 16. Romans chapter 16. Romans chapter 16. Look in verse 17. Verse 17. This is the one of the verses that most preachers don't like to cover, and I'm one of them. Because many times when you mention about somebody else teaching error, you look like you're just being critical. But the Bible says that you're supposed to feed the flock and warn the flock. So we try to teach you things that is not according to Scripture. When the Bible says, for by grace are you saved through faith, it also says, not of works. When it says, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. It's not of yourself. So it tells you what it is and tells you what it isn't. So many times there's people that are saying things contrary to what God's Word says. Not long ago I preached a sermon on who's afraid of the big bad wolf. Anybody remember that? Who's afraid of the big bad wolf? Well, there's a lot of wolves in the world. And some of you might even consider me to be one of them. But I, uh, I don't think so. But I do love the Scriptures. But it says here in verse 17, Now I beseech you, brethren, mark them which cause divisions and offenses contrary to the doctrine which you have learned, and join them, and avoid them. Isn't that what it says? I believe it is. Now, this morning, I want to speak to you on a subject that's very controversial. You may not even know what a Calvinist is. Many people don't. They don't even know what the word refers to. Or the word Armenian. They, they don't know what it means. But boiled down, a Calvinist uh, believes that you have to mainly persevere in the faith. And if you don't persevere, then you're not saved at all. And so the only way you can prove that you are saved is by the way you live. So your life becomes your evidence that you're really a Christian. So you may not know a person who comes right out and says, I am a Calvinist, but they will have the teaching that gets a person to look at their life as the proof that they're saved. And if there's no proof, then you have a reason to doubt your salvation. I've heard that over and over again for many, many years. And so then you've got to get a person to get saved who really means business this time. I really mean business this time. It means I didn't make it the last time, but this time I'm starting all over fresh and new. I'm going to make it this time. Then you have people that are Armenian type. That means you can, you can get saved, but you lose your salvation. So um, you can have it, but you lose it. So a lot of weird things that goes on and a lot of damage that it does. So I want to uh, explain a little bit about defining election. It's God's choice of an individual or a group for a specific purpose or destiny. In other words, all of you are in the world, but God selects different ones that he wants to save. And it's all God's choice. It's not left up to you. It's not your choice at all. It's God's choice. God picks out one. Now, what we don't know, and some explain it this way. Well, you know, all of y'all, whenever you were born, God has already got some of you wired that if he turns the light bulb, it'll come on. But if it's not wired and you turn the light bulb, it won't come on. So the only ones that even have the possibility of coming on are the ones that God has already 
pre-wired. And so people are going throughout the world turning light bulbs to see which one is going to light up. Ah! There is an elect because it lit up. So that sounds good, but it's not very good. Not if you are the one that wasn't wired. And therefore, your light will never shine because God didn't predetermine you to be a light bulb. So, gospel and Calvinism compared. There is a big difference. Forget the word Calvinism if you have to, but look at what they teach. You see, the gospel says that Jesus came to save the world. Now, this is what I believe, that he came to save the world. Calvinists, he came to save the elect, those that he's already predetermined and wired them to receive it. And you can't be saved unless God predetermined you to light up. So I don't believe that. Jesus died for all men. That's what I believe, that he died for all men. But see, there's others who teach he only died for the elect, you know, the ones that he chose to save that are already pre-wired. He only had to die just for them. He didn't have to die for the others, just for those. So some people say, well, now this is rational. There's no sense in paying for the sins of the people that he ain't going to save anyway. So he just, you know, had to pay for the sins of a few. A God predetermined plan is Jesus as ransom for man and all who believe can be saved. I believe that God had predetermined that Jesus Christ would come into the world and down the cross and pay for all the sins of everybody so that anybody can be saved. They hear the gospel, they believe it. Now, that's what I believe. But you see, they believe Jesus, they chose some for salvation, sent Jesus and died for them and caused them to believe. See, whenever you believe the other way, you believe that God causes the person to believe. It wasn't their choice, but they were made to choose because God gave to them irresistible grace. And so they made this decision. So when you think, well, there's no real harm and no real damage done if you don't believe, you know, correctly. The difference can be heaven and hell. It can make a difference on whether or not you have that drive to want to witness to people. Because, you see, if I believe that if this is true, what's the damage if I don't witness? What did I harm? What did I hurt? Because if God's already chosen to go to heaven, they're going to go anyway. And if he didn't choose them, they're not going anyway. So why should I witness? It is a fatalistic teaching that really destroys a Christian's proper motivation to want to reach people. Because I believe that God can save anybody. He wants everybody. It makes a big difference in your whole life and how you view things. Jesus is the light of the world so that the world might be saved through him. They say he is the light of the world, but only the elect can be saved. The elect, from the gospel point of view, are those who are in Christ through faith. See, I believe that, yes, God has chosen to save all of those who put their faith in Christ. But that's not what they mean. Sometimes when people say things, you have to define your terms. What do you mean by that? And a lot of people say they're saved. Well, what do you mean by that? And some people don't mean the same thing you mean. So this is why you are to check all these things out. Now get this. We say that the um, 
the tulip is the devil's favorite flower. It stands for something. Election has no conditions because God does it all and you actually have no choice whatsoever. When you talk about total depravity, see, I believe a man is totally incapable and adequate to save in himself. It doesn't mean the man can't reason and think. They say, well, if he's a dead man, then he's dead. So therefore, he can't do anything. God has to come and affect him first. It's not what the Bible teaches. So they have T-U-L-I-P, TULIP, unconditional election. Because, you see, you had nothing to do with God choosing who he chose, if Calvinism is true. That God chose who he wants, it's not you choosing God, it's God choosing you. And some people, God didn't choose, so therefore, they're not the elect. Now, it can sound good, and what I'm telling you, some of you might think, you know, that makes sense to me, and I may lose you, and you become a Calvinist. I understand the risk. But if I don't tell you, you can leave this church, and you wouldn't even know it. You can go to a bunch of other churches, and they'll teach Calvinism, and you won't have a clue what they're teaching. You won't see anything, because it looks so much like we're saying the same thing. No, we're not saying the same thing. Far from it. It's important because it makes a difference on what is that gospel message you tell a person. And when you teach limited atonement, means that Christ only paid for certain people, it's not unlimited, it's limited just to certain people. And irresistible grace, that when God has got you wired in the back, see, and when you turn that light bulb, it's already pre-wired, it's irresistible. It has to light up because of the way it's wired. Other people, they can't respond because, see, they're not wired right. God didn't choose to save them. If these four things is true, then perseverance of the saints will be automatic. If you're really saved, you will serve God if you're really saved. I mean, if you're really saved, you're not going to want to go out here and do all those bad things. You ever heard statements like that? Where do you think it comes from? Not from the Bible. It comes from this teaching, and they may not use the word, but they will use the teaching. And multitudes of churches are teaching Calvinism, and it does a lot of damage to people. You would be totally surprised if I read to you all these letters that I get because of people that are finally understanding the gospel. And the agony that they go through, wondering and questioning, how do I know I'm really one of the elect? How do I know that I'm really saved? Because they have to base it upon, well, they're not how you're living. So, to say that faith is the cause of the new birth is to put the cart before the horse. What they're doing is, they're saying that, you see, you can't get saved and have faith in God until, first of all, God takes the first move and regenerates you and saves you and gives you the new birth. Now because you've been born again, now you can put your faith in the Lord. That's backwards. You get the new birth because you put your faith in Christ. It's backwards. And some people cannot see it. So they don't try to win their loved ones to the Lord. They just wait because, see, if they're going to get saved, God's going to do it. They don't need you witnessing to them. And whenever they finally see it, 
because God did it, well, then they'll have their faith and put it in the Lord. Now, that might sound rational, but that's nuts. And I don't believe that. But they will believe that. Now, when you hear a Calvinist tell you that, that Yankee don't know what he's talking about. He doesn't understand real Calvinism. Yes, I do. But I peel away all the other stuff and get right down to the heart of the matter and say, this is what they're really saying. Because it's not a game to me. Faith is not the cause of the new birth, but the consequences of it. Arthur Pink teaches this, Calvinism. Faith is not the cause of the new birth. Yes, it is. When you put your faith in Jesus Christ, you get a new birth. You see, your faith, because you heard, faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. When you heard the gospel and you believed the gospel, then you have been given a new birth. So they're wrong. Wrong. Now, this is what he also said. The ultimate decision or destiny of every individual is decided by the will of God. And blessed it is that such be the case. If it were left to our wills, the ultimate destination of us all would be the lake of fire. In other words, if God didn't do that, everybody would go to hell. Because nobody has within him the desire or the knowledge of coming to God. God has to give it to him. But faith cometh by hearing and hearing the gospel. So, yes, every man can be saved. Every man doesn't have to be lost. But I want to show you this. I did something wonderful the other day. I quoted John 3, 16. I want you to quote that verse with me. You say, how do you deal with a Calvinist? Let's quote John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Now that's what you need to believe. You believe that? You say, don't they believe that? No. They believe something different. And I'll show you that in just a moment. They don't believe that God so loved the world. And the world, well, that doesn't refer to the world. That just refers to the elect. Anyway, they even have their own song. Joy to the elect, the Lord has come. Let the elect receive her king. But anyway, we ain't got time to sing all of that. But now let me show you this. There are those who do uh, salvation by loading it at the front with works or loading it at the back with works. But they're loading works on either side. So what do you mean? I'm glad you asked. Front-end loaders, that's doing works to get saved. Rear-end loaders, works to stay saved or to prove that you are saved. But your salvation depends upon those works. Take away the works. They say, well, then works don't save you. Okay, let's take all the works away. Are you still saved? Well, no, not without. No, wait, 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 wait. Works cannot save you. True? But why do you keep putting the works in there? Well, because it twists and perverts the true gospel of Christ. This message, that's when it's twisted, did not come from God. God says a man is saved by grace without works. Now, some people think that repent and turning from your sin is what's going to wash and keep you clean because, you see, the problem is you have to wash yourself clean before you get saved or after you get saved, you have to keep yourself washed to stay saved. But it depends on what you do. 
That's not what the Bible teaches. But there's many people who teach this, and it is an error. I don't worry about trying to wash up my flesh. I'll just stick to Christ's righteousness. When I trusted Christ as my Savior, He gave me His righteousness as a gift. I didn't earn it, didn't work for it. So in God's eyes, you won't believe this, but I am as righteous as God. How many of you believe what I just said is the truth? Let me see your hand. The rest of you are excused. No, I'm just joking. I am as righteous as God because of what Christ has done for me. Now, here is what we call the Armenian view. They look at salvation as a, a race. And so they think that the prize at the end of my race is going to be salvation, eternal salvation. But i got to run this race. The track race represents salvation. Christians may abandon the race and lose salvation. Because after all, I'm just... I'm tired of going to church. I'm tired of trying to live this good old Christian life. I want to see what the world's got out there for a while. So I gave up the race, and I've lost my salvation. But before I die, I can always get back on the track race and keep running some more. But my salvation, see, depends upon my works. So I've got to do these good works. That's front-loading it. That's putting the load of works at the beginning. I've got to live the life in order to get the fruit. If I want salvation, i got to earn it. Now, they won't say that. But if you don't live it, you can't get it. Confused. Now, the Reformed Calvinist view, the prize of salvation, eternal life. They believe they're already saved. But you see, they can't run toward the prize. they got to run backwards. Because they got to keep examining their life to see whether or not are they even on the racetrack to prove, am I really saved? So I have to look at my life. How have I been living? What kind of a life have I got? And so my life is my proof of my salvation. So as I run, i got to keep looking back to see whether or not am I saved or not. What are they looking at, Christ or their works? Looking at their works. But my salvation does not depend upon my works. But they will live their whole lives looking at what they've done. And the Armenian is looking what he's got to do. Something's wrong with this. Because all I had to do is look to Jesus. Look to the Lord. I trusted him. He saved me. Done. When he said it is finished, that was finished. There's no more work to be done. He did the work. Best news I ever heard in my whole life. The very moment you hear, now get this, you must turn from your sins to be saved. Now, let me, let me be honest with you. Have you ever heard anybody say that? Almost all of you. There's a few of you that are still scared. You must, when you believe this, remember, you must automatically become a personal fruit inspector. Not only for fruits of righteousness, doing the right things, but also practicing sins must be eliminated from your life. You see, if you're going to look at a person and say, you've got to turn from your sins to be saved, that means you've got to stop being bad. And that means you've got to start being good. So when you become of that belief, you automatically become a fruit inspector. I've got to inspect my life. And if I don't measure up, I must not be saved. So people are questioning and doubting their salvation because of what they've heard. If you don't live it, you don't have it. And that is not true. 
You can have eternal life and never serve the Lord one iota. People say, you, that, that's, a, that's a damnable heresy. No, it's not. It's the gospel. That's what makes it good news that you can have it and have it forever. I believe that. They say, well, if you believe that, that's just a license of sin. You'll live like the devil. I've been saved 57 years, and I'm not living like the devil. I'm just going to say this, but it's not to be, you know, boastful and things like that. I live as clean or as righteous as any man I know. And I believe this. This isn't ruining my life. This hasn't damaged me. I haven't, well, now that I'm saved, I can just live any way I please. Yes, I can. And I guess I just want to please the Lord. So what's wrong with that? Some people decide to live for themselves. And their Heavenly Father's got to chasten or discipline them. But whenever you do this, this is works for salvation, any way you cut it. Now, the hypothetical view. The prize is salvation, eternal life. The race represents salvation. One who is already saved, you cannot abandon the race. Because, you see, you have to persevere. You've got to persevere. And if you don't persevere, you can't quit. Because if you quit, it's a sign you weren't really saved to start with. So you've got to run this race and persevere in the faith. I'm so glad that I do not have to persevere. I've been preserved, but I don't have to persevere. Because, you see, my salvation going to heaven depended upon what Christ did for me, not what I do for Him. Now I can enjoy life. I can enjoy serving God because I don't have to. I do it because I love Him. I do it because I want to. So, you think you're saved, but still might end up in hell? Even little people can understand this. I've had people say, well, say, are you saved? Yes, I'm saved. Where are you going to die? Well, I don't know. Something's wrong. You don't understand what saved means. Saved means I can't go to hell. So have you been saved? I've been saved. Where are you going to die? Well, I don't know. Hell, if I don't change. You don't get it. Salvation is freely given. Excuse me, I'm having trouble finding this nonsense in my Bible. He ought to. Because, you see, that nonsense is not in the Bible. The Bible is very simple and very clear. Christ came into the world, died on the cross, and paid for our sins so that we could have as a free gift of everlasting life. Now, you'll hear a lot of people say, you've got to repent. You've got to repent. Repent, change your mind, think differently. It's okay. But whenever you mean by that and you give the impressions that you're talking about a person that has to turn from their sin, change their life, then you've got a whole new ball game going on. Like Jesus said, I want to forgive your sins, but I mean forgive you, but you haven't repented yet. You think the Lord says that? He that believeth in me, what? Hath everlasting life. That's all he asked is, do you believe that what he did was for you? Even Batman knows the difference. <laughs> You'll hear him talking about, you had to turn or burn, forsake or bake, try or fry. But it's salvation is a free gift. If you want to just walk up, just slap them a good one. Because they say God says, God didn't say some things. Don't say God said it when God didn't say it. How many unbelievers are lost? Now, this is a hard question. Jesus came to seek and to save that which was elect. Well, lo and behold. Now, can you see that word all in there? Great big letters. See it? A-L-A-L-L. All. He came to seek and to save that which was lost. 
How many was lost? All. And God have mercy upon preachers who limit the sacrifice that Christ made for the sins of the whole world. Is Calvinism biblical? Well, let's look at the verse. Look there in 1 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 1, right there on your screen. Calvinism is biblical, and I can prove it from Scripture. Now the Spirit speaketh especially, that in the latter times some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. So is Calvinism in the Bible? There it is. It's the false teaching. Because it takes the truth of God and twists it, changes it. The Word of God, if we're not supposed to take it seriously, I wouldn't bother about this. But I bother with it because there's so many Christians that are asleep because they fell in love years ago with Doris Day. Whatever will be, will be. The future's not ours to see. Whatever will be, will be. I don't believe that. I don't believe that. I believe we make choices. I don't believe we're robots and everything's pre-programmed. I believe we're making decisions that we're going to have to answer to God for. You've got a mind, you've got a brain, supposed to think. And he says in 1 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 3 and 4, he says, for this is good and acceptable in the sight of God, our Savior, who will have the elect to be saved. All to be saved. And to come into the knowledge of the truth. What are you going to do? Get a pair of scissors and go through and you cut out all these verses that say this? Or you got to twist it? you got to change it? Well, it doesn't mean that. It does mean that. We take the word of God at face value. That God meant what he said. And I believe it. Anybody here ever heard of a guy named John Piper? John Piper, John MacArthur, R.C. Sproul, they're all the same. They teach everything I'm telling you right now. And you know what? They're on all these Christian stations all over the America, around the world. Why? Because there's Christians supporting them. People are giving them the money so they can have all this airtime. And people say, boy, they, they really know the Hebrew and the Greek. I bet I can take a six, seven, eight-year-old kid, read him John 3, 16, he can tell you what it means. But you can take some of these highfalutin theologians, and they can't explain it. They've got to twist it all up, mess it all up. So it's keeping it simple. 